0: This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be
1: with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching at this time, especially if you may be watching for the first time. Thank you for tuning in, and we appreciate those who Uh, Our regular viewers of Getting to Know Your Bible. Today on our telecast, we have this topic that comes out of the New Testament. Three great questions. I hope that you'll stay tuned as we discuss each one of those questions today. On Getting to Know Your Bible, we're offering a free Bible correspondence course. I'd like to emphasize the course is free. We want you to avail yourself today of the opportunity to receive this Bible course, thousands of people all over the United States and many, many countries of the world are studying this Bible course. We want you to have it as well. And so in order that you might know more about the course, that you might know how to receive it, let's pause for just a moment.
0: To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214.
1: I'd like to read now from Acts, the ninth chapter, beginning in verse 1, and I will be reading through verse number 6. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. There are many great questions that are asked in the Bible. But for example, there is the question about life after death in Job the 14th chapter and verse 14. If a man dies, will he live again? Uh, Another great question is found in Hebrews the 2nd chapter, verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Another great question of the Bible is found in Genesis, the third chapter in verse 9. And God asked this question of Adam, Where are you? Where are you? In Matthew, the 16th chapter in verse 26, Jesus asked, What is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? There's another interesting question in Genesis chapter 4, verse 9. Am I my brother's keeper? There are a lot of great truths that come out of the questions that are asked in the Bible. But there's none greater than the ones that are posed in the text that I've just read from Acts chapter 9 the first question that we notice is this, Why are you persecuting me? That's found in verse 4. Why are you persecuting me? This is a question that the Lord asked Saul of Tarsus. We are first introduced to Saul at the death of Stephen, that is, at the stoning of Stephen, back in Acts chapter 7 and verse 58. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at at the feet of a young man, the name of a young man named Saul. You see, Saul was a persecutor of Christians. In Acts chapter 8 and 1, the Bible says, Now Saul was consenting to his death, that is, to the death of Stephen. At that time, a great persecution arose uh, against the church, which uh, was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So Saul of Tarsus was a persecutor of Christians. Then we come to Acts chapter 9 and verse 1, and we we learn that he was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And so he went to the high priest, and he asked to have permission to, to put Christians in prison, to bring them bound to Jerusalem. And so he had those letters with him. And as he was journeying on his way, the Lord appeared to him. That's in verse number th- 3. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone round about him from heaven. So the Lord appeared to him. And that's when the Lord asked him the question, Saul, Saul, Why are you persecuting me? But you see, Saul was persecuting the church. Why in Acts chapter 8 and 3, the Bible says, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. But here in Acts chapter 9 and 4, the Lord said, Why are you persecuting me? To persecute the church is to persecute the Lord. To rail against the church is to rail against the Lord. To to belittle the church is to belittle the Lord. To neglect the church is to neglect the Lord. To, To speak harshly of the church is to speak harshly of the Lord. To mistreat a Christian is to mistreat the Lord. Uh, I thought about the statement our Lord made in Matthew chapter 25. When he gave the scene of the judgment. And Jesus talked about those who saw him hungry but they didn't feed him. They saw him thirsty, they didn't give him anything to drink. They saw him in need of clothing, but they didn't give him any. They saw him sick, they didn't help him. They saw him in prison, they didn't visit him. And so they asked, Lord, when did we see you like that? Lord, when did we see you sick? When did we see you in prison? When did we see you in need? And he said, Inasmuch as you did it not unto the least of one of these my brethren, you did it not unto me. To help people is like helping the Lord. To refuse to help people is to refuse to help the Lord. To persecute Christians is to persecute the Lord. The question is, why persecutest thou me? Now, the second question that is asked is also found in Acts chapter 9. And the question is, who art thou, Lord? Who art thou, Lord? Who are you? That's found in verse 5. Now very likely, Saul did not receive the answer that, that he expected. Because look in how that what he was given as an answer in verse 5 again. When he asked, Who are you? Who are you, Lord? And he was told, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. I am Jesus who was with the Father when the morning stars sang together. I am Jesus who came down to earth packaged in human form. I am Jesus who created all things in heaven and on earth. I am Jesus, who upholds all things by the word of His power. I am Jesus, who lived a life of poverty and rejection of men. I am Jesus, who went about doing good. I am Jesus, who caused the blind to see, the lame to walk. I am Jesus who raised the dead. I am Jesus who died on the cross. I am Jesus who was raised from the dead by the power of God. I am Jesus who's coming back someday. I am Jesus whom you despise and hate. I am Jesus whom you resent. I am Jesus whom you persecute. I am Jesus. Who turns night to day. I am Jesus. Who can make a sinner whole. I am Jesus. Who can set you free. I am Jesus. Who is at God's right hand. And I am Jesus. Who loved you more than anyone ever loved you and more than you ever loved yourself. Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest me. There was an occasion in Matthew chapter 16 when Jesus asked the question, Whom do men say that I am and Peter responded in verse 16 of that same chapter, Thou art to Christ, the Son of the living God. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. You see, the question is, who are you, Lord? This, this is Jesus who died for the church, Acts 20, 28. This is Jesus who intercedes for you before the throne of God, Hebrews seven twenty-five. This is Jesus who is your hope, your only hope. 1 Timothy 1, verse 1. And this is Jesus who shed his blood for your salvation. Acts 4 and 12 says, Neither is there salvation and any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby you must be saved. That's who I am. I'm Jesus. Oh, some say that he's just a good man. Some say that he's a prophet, but he's not divine. Some say that Jesus was an imposter. Some say that, that Jesus is a dangerous man. And some people would even declare that Jesus Christ is outdated. For the age in which you and I live today. But my friend Jesus. Is not outdated. Jesus. Is God's son. In Romans 1 and 4. He is declared to be the son of God with power. According to the spirit of holiness. By the resurrection from the dead. Jesus is. The foundation. Other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11. Jesus is the great physician. In Luke five thirty one, Jesus said, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus is the bread of life, John six thirty five. Jesus is the water of life, John 4 and verse 14. Jesus is the light of the world, John chapter 8 and verse 12. Jesus is the true vine, John chapter 15 and verse 1. Jesus is the resurrection and the life, John 11 and verse 25. Jesus is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 11. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. John chapter 14 and verse 6. Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus, Jesus, whom thou persecuted. We now come to the third question asked in Acts chapter 9. And the question is Lord, what will you have me to do? Lord, what will you have me to do? Some allege that, that Saul of Tarsus was saved on the Damascus highway. A man once told me, that Saul was saved between the stirrup and the ground. At first I didn't quite understand what he meant by that. First of all, he assumed that Saul was riding a horse. And he assumed that when the Lord appeared to him it knocked him off out of the saddle. And then he further assumed, that from the time he was knocked out of the saddle, by the time he hit the ground, that the Lord saved him. So that's why he said he was saved between the stirrup and the saddle. If Saul of Tarsus was saved on the Damascus highway, he didn't know it. Wouldn't you think that he would know it if he was saved? But he didn't know it. So he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? If Saul of Tarsus was saved on the Damascus road, Jesus didn't know it. Because Jesus told him to go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. So he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, you go into the city, you'll find out what to do. So Jesus didn't know it if he was saved out on the highway. And if Saul of Tarsus was saved on the Damascus highway, Ananias, the preacher who came to him, didn't know it because he told him what to do. And furthermore, if Saul of Tarsus was saved on the Damascus highway, he was about the most miserable saved man that I have ever heard of or read about in all my life. Verse 9 says that he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. If he was saved, wouldn't you think he would be rejoicing like the man in Acts the 8th chapter who went on his way rejoicing as to he was baptized? Well, wouldn't you think he would rejoice like the jailer in Acts chapter 16 and verse 34? No, here's a man who, who couldn't see, and he was fasting, and he was praying, for three days and three nights. And so if he was saved out there on that Damascus highway, he is the most miserable saved man I believe I've ever heard about in all of my life. But you see, when he asked the question, what do you want me to do, Lord? He, he was instructed to find someone in the city who could tell him what to do. Let, let me read it to you again. The Lord said to him, Arise, Go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. You'll be told what you must do. And there was a man by the name of Ananias who came to Saul of Tarsus. I pick up the story in Acts chapter 9 and verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, what happened then? Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. And he received his sight at once. I think there's a lesson right there if you'll uh, allow me the liberty to take long enough to say something. In Bible times, when a miracle was performed, it was instantaneous. I saw some man on television recently claiming that he was healing an individual, and he told the man, you're going to start getting better. Well, that's not a Bible miracle. No, no. Because when a Bible miracle was performed, it happened at once. He received his sight at once. And when he did, he arose and was baptized. And so this is what we find that Saul of Tarsus did after finding Ananias. He went into the city and he was baptized. What did that mean? Well, what did it mean for him to be baptized? Well, first of all, being baptized meant that he had turned away from the religion of his fathers, he was exceedingly zealous of the traditions of the fathers, but he turned away from it. And being baptized meant that he acknowledged that he had been wrong. He, here was a man who had been living faithfully according to to the Jewish law all of these years, and he had he had studied in the, in the school of Gamaliel. And now he sees that he's been wrong. And being baptized meant he had to give up some of the advantages that he had. And being baptized meant that he he received mercy and that he received forgiveness of his sins. Later, when Paul wrote to Timothy, in the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 1, and verse 13, and as well as verse 15, there he he said in verse 13 that uh, I was formerly a blasphemer a persecutor, and an insolent man. But I obtained mercy. I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. So being baptized meant that he received mercy. And being baptized meant that he became the persecuted and and not the persecutor. If you'll you'll look in your Bible in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and perhaps read the entire chapter, but you'll see some places there where Paul talks about how he was persecuted. Read the 11th chapter of 2 Corinthians. Paul declared in 2 Corinthians 4 that he was troubled on every side. Everywhere Paul went, there seemed to be trouble. So the man that was the persecutor became the persecuted Being baptized meant loving the thing that he once hated. Being baptized meant preaching what he had once despised. Being baptized meant God's grace can reach down to the center where the center is. Paul was saved by grace of God. Later in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10, Paul said, By the grace of God, I am what I am. Well, what are you, Paul? I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I'm a child of the king. And it was by God's grace. And his grace can reach you just like it did Saul of Tarsus. The question was, Lord, what do you want me to do? When we come to the 22nd chapter of Acts, we have a, another account of this uh, encounter that, that Saul had with one by the name of Ananias. For example, you go back to the 11th verse and it says, And since I did not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of those that were with me, I came into Damascus. So after the Lord appeared to him on the Damascus highway with bright light, he could not see. So he had to be led into town. And verse 12 reads, Then a certain Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me, and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that hour I looked up at him, and he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now why are you waiting Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. You know the good news is that God's grace can save people today just like it did Saul of Tarsus. You see, he became the great apostle Paul. He's the man who wrote in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, For by Grace, are you saved through faith? And we're saved by grace through faith, when we believe on Christ, we repent of our sins, we confess that we believe, and when we are immersed in water into Christ, Galatians 3:27, for the remission of our sins, Acts 2:38, that our sins be washed away in the precious blood of Jesus, Acts 22. Verse 16, His grace can reach you just like it did Him. But you see, the choice, the choice is yours. It's your choice. Would you not become His child today? Have some servant of God baptize you into Jesus Christ. And you'll be added to the church family. Acts 2.47, and you live a faithful life, 1 Corinthians 4.2, and one day heaven will be your eternal home. I want to thank you for watching today, and may I encourage you right now to visit the Church of Christ in your community, to consider this your personal invitation. I want to thank you for watching today, and until we meet again, may the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you. Is my prayer.
0: We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtonoyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at Bible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1 877 711. 5214 getting to know your bible has been presented by churches of christ